Bush and Ritchie here with another hometime show. I feel like I am the last person in the UK to eat in the evening. What time do you normally eat in the evening? Well, at the moment, right? So, with you broadcasting uh, from your Leon C home, uh-huh. and I'm broadcasting from central London, uh, you get the chance to eat during uh, the show. So I hear you every now and then, you know, and you, you, you'll, you'll say to me, you'll say, you know, oh, sorry, uh, I'm just uh, having a bit of prawn linguine or something like that. <laughs> I still then have to travel home. Now, when I get home, my wife and my son... They've already eaten. So what I'm saying is I just have this perception that I am the last person to eat in the evening. Joe, I kind of like it, though, when people eat late. I know you're not supposed to eat late, but there's something kind of dangerous and 24-hour cafe about eating late. I mean, I'd love to go to a 24-hour cafe. You know, that's like something they might have in Vegas, where, you know, someone's pouring you coffee and you're having steak and eggs at, like, 1am. I love that kind of thing. So if, if you could eat later than Richie does, maybe you're someone who eats 9, 10 o'clock at night or, like, midnight or something like that, let us know. Hometime at absoluteradio.co.uk. Welcome to the Easter holidays. The kids are off at the moment. Our eldest, Erin, uh, uh, is 11. She's off school this week and next. And uh, this is a bit of a theory I've got, but I would say that the amount of unusual questions you get asked rise exponentially in relation to how long kids are at home and not at school. Do you know what I mean? And we've had two absolute beauty questions off Erin today. We were out and about in Leon C. And she was doing that thing where she's like three or four paces behind me mucking around on her phone. Uh, and she asked me two questions that I fundamentally cannot answer. And they are as follows. Question one is there an official formula for working out how old a dog is in human years? And question two, can you use the same system to work out dog years from a human age? I was absolutely dumbstruck. I didn't know what the hell was going on. She then later on told me, apparently, without showing her workings, that I'm 190 dog years old. And I was like, what? <laughs> but is, is there like a hard and fast like formula for dogs? And, and is there a hard and fast formula for... Is it different for different animals? Or do all animals share the same formula? Do you know what I mean? I hope there's a formula, and I hope hers is wrong, because 190 is not a good answer to be it's going not- around with. It's bad, isn't it? It maybe it maybe like zapped a lot of my uh, energy and, and vibrancy for the fun of that coffee uh, walk around the park. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Elliot has tweeted to say there was something recently published which calculated it based on the hormones present and how that would relate to humans. Basically, he adds, completely not clarifying, it's not linear. Uh, he adds on top of that, my three and a half year old Labrador is aged roughly fifty five to sixty. I don't even understand how any of that works. I'd love to be able to help you here, but unfortunately, you're asking someone who, famously, maths is really not my strong point. But if I was to use some logic here, I would have thought that if there is a formula, it's going to work two ways. So if there's a formula, you should be able to find out pretty easily what it would be either way. Well, I, I think the old thing of like, oh, seven years to one or whatever, seven, like one, one, ad, one human year to seven dog years, I don't think that's right. I think that's, that's old logic. That's pre-80s right, stuff. Right. I think times have changed. So look, if you're sitting at home and you know what this formula is, and I think if you get a dog, you should get this on a card or laminated or something. Do you know what I mean? It should be part of the pack that you get if you get a pack with a dog. I haven't got a dog. Dan Kerrigan has sent an incredibly confusing tweet to us. He says, is it simple? 16, listen to this, right? It's 16 times the natural logarithm of the dog's age plus 31. What? Now, now come on, this, this can't. This, 
Is this how we're aging dogs in the year 2021 with with a, a formula that's as ridiculous as this? Some people trying to help, some people just trying to get in the way, like Jamie, bit of a recall to yesterday's show, saying if only there was a VHS narrated by Fred Dibnamer on this topic. Hey, listen, we need to get your uh, trained VHS converted somehow. We want to make that happen. I want, I want that to be a treat for you in 2021, Richie, because you deserve it. Thank you very much. We'll come back to that at some point soon. Uh, Theo says, according to scientists... Oh, here we go again. 16, in brackets, dog age, plus 31 equals human age. And then he's trying to reverse the formula. And he's just using... He's using... I'll tell you what he's using. You know, remember the top of your scientific calculator that yep. you had in GCSE? He never used any of them buttons. Never knew what any of them do. That's what he's been typing in. I haven't got a clue what it is. Right, Joe's hanging on. Uh, Joe, what do you know? Well, my nan used to um, gamble on the horses and that a lot. And she used to... Um, She'll always tell me that the birthdays of each horse is always on the 1st of January, no matter when they're born, you're on the year. What? Um, yeah, she got, this is... I've been going on what my nan and, and I've, heard, I've heard since as well. From no, I mean, I'm not questioning your nan at all. I've got a, a scouse nan, so you don't mess with them, that's for sure. Um, the weird thing is, right, we've got a dog on one side in terms of animals. We've got dogs with their incredibly complicated, you know, 16 times the algorithm of their age plus 31. So that's really complicated. On the other side of things, you've got horses. So they're just all lumped in together on the 1st of January. Look, this has all started by uh, Bushy's daughter trying to work out what he is in uh, in dog years. But I think we've stumbled across a really big thing here from you, Joe, and that is that every single horse in the UK uh, suffers from having combined Christmas and birthday presents. Uh, yeah, you know, can, can never have enough sugar lumps, can you? <laughs> That's a good point. Everyone loves a sugar lump. Every now and again, like... Cheers, Joe. You've muddied the waters perfectly. Okay, go on. I just want to throw another question in because it seems that dog things quite complicated. What about like parrots and cats and monkey? How do you work out a llama's age? Is that is that got its own formula? Because if you were like a zookeeper, then you must have to have like a huge like one of them massive ring binders with the formulas for all the different animals so you can work out how old they are. Bush, I love you, uh, but I have to say my, my head is spinning with just the dog here. Uh, the, the, the fellow we had from Merseyside with um, horses' birthdays on New Year's Day fried my mind. I'm it's not nice. sure I can deal with chucking in too many more animals right now. It's like Pandora's box, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's like the end of a space oddity or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy. And then there's this brutal text to deal with from Matt in Thames Ditton. He says, A year for a dog is the same as a year for a human. Human. The Earth doesn't orbit the sun quicker from a dog's perspective. Dogs just die younger. Whoa. Deal with it. Wow, his heart's a brick on a rope. And still the weird formulas are coming in. Keith says, depends on the dog, doesn't it? Great Danes live shorter, Chihuahuas live longer. I'm sure you take the average lifespan of a human, divide it by the average lifespan for the species of dog. Like Labradors is about 11, humans is about 81, so 81 divided by 11 is 7. What's he on about? <laughs> I think I'm nearly at my maximum on being able to talk about this because I've got a headache. It's too much. It's too much for me. <laughs> uh, Kev is hanging on. Right, Kev, how can they help us? What's your, what's your theory? Yeah, well, the way I see it, um, obviously you'd say that seven uh, dog years is to one human year, but if dogs were to live to like they usually do, 40, 16 years old, that would put human years about 98 to 112, <laughs> so that's a bit too high. <laughs> <laughs> So I think 
I think it should be more like one to six years, really, because, like I say, nobody sort of lives to, well, some people do live to 100, yeah. but not as many as dogs do to 14, 15 year olds. So, you know, so I think it's a bit too high, the one to seven ratio. Kev, Kev, can you can you believe what's been going on this afternoon in this first hour of the show? I, I just thought it was quite straightforward. Surely it's quite straightforward finding out how old a dog is. It's an absolute uh, yeah. bureaucratic mess, isn't it? I know. I'm just I've just stood Pete in my bedroom here and I'm listening to all the different theories and I'm laughing my head off at them. It's just crazy, you know. <laughs> just share with us the colour you've gone with, please, Kev. Uh, just white, just plain white. Nothing too special. <laughs> okay, but it's never just plain white these days, though, is it? It's like it's like eggshell or brilliant white, or is it, it must have a name? Don't just call it plain white. It's just brilliant white, yeah. Like you said, well, one of the bars you said, yeah, brilliant white. It says, yeah, as opposed to normal white. <laughs> I'm sure you're doing a great job, Kev. But trust me, in about four days' time, you will see there's a finger mark somewhere, and you've got to start all over again. Yeah, I've already done that last week. Yeah, I was looking at it, I was thinking, ah, oh, dear me. <laughs> Good to speak to you, fella. Take care. Good luck with the rest of the job. Cheers. See you now. Now, I don't know what you guys think of the intelligence of Bush and myself, but I'm here to inform you that it turns out the other night both of us were watching some quiz shows at the same time. Uh, I think it was Monday night, Bush. It turned out that uh, both of us chatted the next day. We were both watching the semi-finals of Mastermind. Um, Now, I have to share with you right now, I felt pretty smug uh, because on Monday evening when I was watching the semi-finals, when it moves away from their specialist subjects and all the contestants come back and they do their general knowledge, I got five questions right. Hey, that's not bad. Hubble Space Telescope, Car Engines, The Fratellis, Philadelphia and Princess Margaret. Uh, they were all... <laughs> Not that you're keeping tabs, sorry. <laughs> well, it's such a landmark event. I thought, well, this is great. I'm going to write down the things that I know about. And then uh, Mastermind finishes and on comes University Challenge. And I went from feeling really quite smart to really very thick. And it turns out you were in the same boat as me. It's the weirdest thing, right, because uh, we were sat around as a family, rare moment when everyone was together, watching uh, Mastermind, and and Erin was getting involved with it as well, and there was a couple that she could get, because it was kind of like, you know, you always think Mastermind's quite scary and and terrifying. You're right, the the random bit, the general knowledge thing, is kind of anyone's game, really. You you know, there's there's a chance of answering quite a few. So we were answering, shouting them out as a family, da-da-da-da, and then it went straight into University Challenge, and the room went completely silent, (laughs) because no one could answer anything. Didn't shout a single thing out. It was it was quite jarring actually the 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 segue from you know the the fun let's have a go mastermind to suddenly haven't got a clue i feel really thick do you know what i mean so here's what we want to do we want to put together the home time gears of quiz if you were to have if you were to have four quiz shows that ran back to back but here's the thing right they give you the chance as a viewer to go through the gears. So you have a particularly easy quiz show first, then a slightly harder one second, then a slightly harder one third, and then the one that's really, really going to test you as the last one of the night. It's the home time gears of quiz. What a fantastic way to ease yourself into an evening's quizzing as well. And you know the good thing is? Uh, you can check out at any point you like. If you feel it's getting a bit too full yeah. on for you, you can knock it on the head and go home. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So get in touch with us, 8, 12, 15, uh, for your texts or your tweets uh, as you put together and help us out with the home time gears of quiz. A Manny has just tweeted us, this second now, he's done a list, starting from the easiest, going towards the more difficult. And this can be from any era, era by the way. Right. He goes, number one, tenable. <laughs> number okay. two, going through the gears... 
Chase. <laughs> okay. Gear number three, House of Games. Do you know House of Games? I don't think I'm familiar with House of Games. I've never heard of House of Games. And then, and I'm going to agree with this one, uh, Gear 4, the fourth gear, when you're absolutely full throttle difficulty, only connect. (laughs) That's that one Victoria Corrin host, isn't it? I've got no idea about any of it. It's got like like weird (laughs) symbols and stuff in it. I've got no idea what she's on about. Very good start, Manny. I like that. Uh, Aaron is going with uh, Countdown at 6 o'clock. Is that really a quiz show? You're just, you know, you're trying to identify, you know, riddles, really. 6.45, impossible. 7.30, Krypton Factor. I mean, you would actually, if you think about it, Krypton Factor's putting in some physicality as well. And then 8 o'clock, agreeing with us, University Challenge as the hardest. Uh, Eddie says surely the top gear at four, the fourth gear, has to be three, two, one. Anyone who worked out those riddles, I salute you. The hardest quiz ever, he adds. Yeah, but is that really a quiz? I mean, that's that's not knowledge, is it? It's just identifying riddles. It's basically a puzzle. But was was this Ted Rogers' three, two, one, Dusty Bin? Yeah. Dusty Bin seems like a knockabout kind of fun version slightly budget version of Metal Mickey I didn't realise that he was the front for an extremely hard quiz as Eddie was suggesting Ian has tweeted to say uh, his four gears would be first gear Bush and Ritchie's Rivers quiz <laughs> Sky History fair point it's on the way after six then it'd be tipping point then he says five words five grand on the Dave Berry breakfast show on Absolute Radio fair point That's, that is really tough who the hell knows what Matt Dyson's thinking and then finally University Challenge I can't believe our Rivers quiz has been put before Tipping Point. That's insulting. <laughs> it's outrageous. Uh, John, right, take us through yours. Well, I think people started off far too hard. The easiest quiz is to market sweep. Add some questions oh, yeah. and stick some stuff in your basket. Good point. Okay, so that's first gear, supermarket sweep. We're going up into second. What's number two? Pointless. You know, straightforward. Yeah, a it's, harder. it's just recall, isn't it? You're not actually trying to answer yeah. anything. Then only connect. Very hard. As we've, as we've discussed. Wow, OK, so you're, you're going for Only Connect, a, a show that Richie and I were saying earlier on, we don't fundamentally even understand what they're talking about. You think there's a, there's a show that's more difficult than that? Absolutely, absolutely. And that is a big break. Big Not break? Questions, but potting the balls is well hard. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do you know what? Big Break was a great show. And what was funny about it, you make a very good point. You could have, like, a really, really, really good snooker player potting the balls. But if the contestant wasn't that great, the snooker player was never going to do very well. Yeah. Ten seconds to clear up. <laughs> I like it. This is, this is a great evening's TV you've planned there, John. Thank you very much. No problem. One that we've not mentioned has just been tweeted by a listener called Manny. He says, what about 15 to 1? That was tough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back in the day with William G. Stewart, um, it was the most no-frills quiz ever. The, the, the show would start, yeah. he'd go, hello, welcome, our previous winner is Jenny from Hull. Let's get underway. <laughs> and the quiz would start within about 15 seconds of the music finishing. It was crazy. He, he had the vibe of like a fire safety officer, didn't he, William <laughs> G. Stewart? No mucking around at all, bit of a clipboard. Uh, Lee, uh, you've got an idea for what you think should be uh, one of the hardest. Well, it, it's, it's, it's all catchphrase. I mean, come on. I mean, it, it's just nobody's got a clue. I don't know how the hell anybody ever... I don't know how they do it. I just don't know how they manage it. I'm sitting there looking at them. I don't understand it. So, so, so Lee, in terms of our gears of quiz, people going through the yeah. gears from easiest to the hardest, you would put catchphrase as gear four, the toughest of the quizzes. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, you, you, you've got to have blockbusters at the beginning, haven't you? I'll get you to pee, Bob. 
Which was a great quiz, but what you... Hang on one second. So you're saying that Blockbusters with Bob Holness back in the day was easier than Roy Walker's catchphrase? Oh, yeah, 100%, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so even the sight of Mr Chips must just freak you out, give you uh, the cold sweats, oh, then, yeah. fella. Oh, yeah. I mean, even with University Challenge, you could probably get one or two, you know, without a doubt. Cold sweats, cold sweats no. from Mr Chips, but put him on the hot spot with Bob any day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, we've got a treat for you right now on the Hometime Show. We were talking about systems, little systems that people have created uh, on the show last night that make their lives easier at home. There's one guy called Jason who came in quite late with his suggestion and we had to get him back on the show because this is amazing. Uh, This could be a game changer for you listening right now. What Jason on the line. Jason Crawford, please explain your amazing system that you use in your house. Well, how it started, I'm a postman and when I come in from work, I always like a bath in the winter. And I was sick of getting into a bath that was never exactly right. So I was thinking, how can I get it exactly right? So I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll, ta- I'll put a line on when the hot water's to a level, and then I'll put uh, the cold water in and put another line, and when I think it's right. And I, it's trial and error. You have to do it five or six times. Yeah. And then eventually you get it right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And eventually you get it right. I mean, it works for the whole family because... The family obviously have different types of baths and they can use different lines for their sort of temperatures, if you know what I mean. You have to be careful with other lines in the bath, obviously, but it works perfectly. So this was one of the questions that I wanted to uh, to ask. Once you've actually finalised it and you've got the one that works for you, Bush yesterday with his yoghurts was using uh, a Sharpie, a permanent pen. Surely you've had to use some kind of permanent or non-soluble pen on the side of your bath. Yeah, I use, like, um, a permanent marker. <laughs> Um, it will, Brilliant. it will come off. It will if if you scrub it. But um, so it's not going to de- destroy your bath. I mean, you know, they're never really permanent. But the best Jay- way to do is if you put lines in your bath is to put it at the back where you lay, so you can't actually see the lines. <laughs> That's another little technique. Uh, and do, do different family members have different lines with their names on it? Ben, you know, depending on how they like the the temperature of their bath. Yeah, That's exactly right. Yeah, and it <laughs> works brilliantly. Because the thing is, as well, when you run the water with a combi boiler, this is getting a bit technical now, but if you get it wrong and you put your hot water back on when you're in the bath, it comes out cold for a while, so you yeah. can never actually get that temperature, if you know what I mean. So if, you've, if you get it wrong from the beginning, you, it, you've had it. I have ordered a new combi boiler today, so uh, boiler chat is far more interesting than (laughs) than you think it is. Uh, And I guess one final thing uh, here is, not that you guys are necessarily looking to move right now, but it's it's also an extra selling feature when uh, people are going around the house, say this this bath comes equipped with uh, uh, the right temperature sorted already. Well, you could could get them, prospective buyers, to jump on in and offer to calibrate it for them personally, (laughs) do you know what I mean? I mean, they're all going to be quite close to each other because most people do like quite a warm bath. You know, do you know what I mean? But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hell of an invention. Bath. I mean, you've, you've heard of the Plimsoll line. That's famous. I think it was invented in Bristol or something. This is the Crawford yeah, well, I used line. I work in the shipyard. And uh, yeah, the, the Plimsoll line's on the ship, isn't it, for the weight of the ship, which is an amazing invention, to be honest. <laughs> Well, now you have the Crawford line named after you, Jason. Well done. We're, we're so I feel impressed. Very proud. I feel very proud. Thank you, Jason. So good to chat. We we were both bowled over with that yesterday. It's great.
Amazing. Thank you very much. Lovely to speak to you both. Have a good day. Cheers, fella. Cheers, fella. Bye. Cheers now. Bye. Thank you. Uh, if you listened to yesterday's show, uh, you would have heard the problem that I had uh, doing a spring clean where I came across a VHS tape that I had called The Royal Scot. Uh, it was a 90-minute video uh, taken from the front of an express train from Euston to Preston where you can see what the driver sees. Problem is, I don't have a video player to play it on anymore. Um, many of you uh, have got in touch in different ways trying to help, uh, but one gentleman really stuck out, and his name is Rick, and he's on the phone right now. Uh, Rick, how do you think you can help in this situation? I can um, get your VHS um, video to me, and I can convert it and put it on a, a USB stick so you can watch it on your computer, TV, <laughs> download it to your phone, wherever. Wow. <laughs> this is sorcery. You can, have it, you can even watch it on your travels when you're out. <laughs> I could actually pretend I'm in the cab of the train. You can, you can. That's amazing. And what kind of technology is this then, Rick? It takes a, a big old VHS cassette and then converts it into something as small that can go onto a USB stick. It's just um, an app I have on the computer that um, converts um, from the VHS and downloads it onto a stick. It's quite simple, really. Have you tried it? This isn't like experimental technology, is it? <laughs> No, mate, no. Um, I did my um, old army passing out parade video from uh, 1986. Obviously, they haven't got the uh, facilities to watch that now. So I've downloaded that onto oh. a stick and I can watch it on the telly and everything. It's you can perfect. swap. Uh, Richie can lend you his rail video. He can watch you passing out, if that's the right phrase. I'll, pa- I'll pass on that one, please. <laughs> <laughs> Bush, as a, like, I know I know, Rick is uh, still listening to us right now, but do you have any advice? Because obviously for this whole thing to work, I've got to trust that he's not going to wipe my uh, Houston to Preston Royal Scott VHS. Well, this is a good point. So, I mean, Rick, you've obviously got a VHS, you've still got a video recorder then in the house that the Richie's video is going to be put into for this process. I do, yes. It's uh, one of them old um, Philips video stars with the pop-up keys on the front. Oh. <laughs> and it'll be all right in there. It's not going to chew up his uh, his little uh, special video. <laughs> well, 90% joke, so it won't happen. But <laughs> I'm not You'll be banned from listening to this show ever again if it comes back chewed, all right? Oh, yeah, I'll, you can trust me, you can trust me. Uh, honestly, if you listen to the first bit of the show, we're doing you a favour, mate, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's ironic, isn't it? We were talking about eating at the uh, at the beginning of uh, this episode of the podcast. Isn't the famous saying, eat breakfast like a king, eat lunch like a prince, eat dinner like a pauper? Do you know what? I just I abide by my little version of that, which is eat everything like Henry VIII. <laughs> 